Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 
to be on the line, but we have uh, Erica, and she is the CEO of a hemp paper company. And we're going to be talking about hemp and hemp paper, and we're going to be talking about, um, you know, all of the things that go along with it. So I'm going to go ahead and bring her up real quick because I don't know how much time she's going to have to talk or how capable she's going to be of talking right now. But we will um, we'll go there first, and then we'll see where we get from there. So I believe I've Hello. got Eric live on the air. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Joe? I am great, and I can hear you loud and clear. I don't know how much time you're going to have where you are, but I figured we'll bring you in, um, give you a chance well, to introduce thank you. yourself. And we'll go from there, see see, see where and how it goes. So uh, why don't you get Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your company? Fantastic. Well, I want to start by saying thank you for this opportunity, and I apologize if you can hear some background noise, but I'm just kind of out in life, so you'll hear life behind me. <laughs> but I am no Erica Halverson. Thank you. I am Erica Halverson, and I am the founder and CEO of Tiny E Paper Company. And what we do is we make 100% pure hemp paper, not only from the stalks of the hemp plant, but I also use the waste from CBD extractors. And I make my paper, I was starting it off specifically for business owners in the cannabis industry. And I mean all of that B2B paper that you need to run your cannabis business. So I'm not talking about rolling paper. I'm talking about packaging and labeling and receipt rolls and toilet paper for your restroom. And so that was always my original goal is to get the entire cannabis industry to stop using trees for all of their B2B paper. And we can create a self-sustaining business system by using hemp. But then it's actually gone further than that, where I have had so many other industries also let me know that they are very, very interested in sustainable packaging. And when I start talking to them about some of the other aspects about hemp and bringing those aspects to hemp paper, like antibacterial properties and water-resistant properties, it makes it a really big selling point for industries like the food industry. When we have takeaway containers we can make out of hemp paper that is antibacterial versus tree paper, which is not and has horrible chemicals in it, that's a really big statement that that restaurant is making. And so my goal now is it's, it's actually to change all paper <laughs> from tree paper to hemp paper. And that kind of happened by accident because I found out how many people were really interested in making this happen. Well, and, and so tell me, how is it, how is it actually working? How, what, what kind of, um, of clients have you brought in and, and, and what, what, uh, what part of the market have you been able to reach? So that's a good question. Right now, I only have business cards that I'm selling on my website. And so I'm attracting clients from every single industry. But I will tell you that because I started with a specific interest in changing the cannabis industry and how we use trees versus hemp for our own paper needs, that is the majority of the people that reach out to me about wanting to switch over. And 
I've got really good news. I've actually this week confirmed one of the vetting processes of my new paper mill that I'm vetting out so that I'm actually thinking within the next 30 to 60 days, I'm going to be able to start producing paper for people like packaging, for example, and bags. So I'm getting closer and closer now to actually having products that I can launch. And that's going to give me a lot better idea about all the different industries that are truly, truly interested in doing this. Well, that's, um, that's amazing. I think I just actually figured out how to turn my microphone on. <laughs> we were, we were, we were, we were good. I have this show being streamed in two different feeds. So the, the actual blog talk feed was fine. I have, it's also being uh, streamed on a, um, what do you call it? It's, it's being streamed on a live feed as well. And I just got a fancy new microphone and I just realized I actually have to turn it on, and then it actually works. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I get involved in a lot of things. Yeah. So, so how did you get into this? I mean, it doesn't, um, you know, this is a new, a new industry. I've been involved with the cannabis world for a long time, and we've always talked about hemp being used as food, fuel, fiber, and the value of hemp paper and, and, and the origins of um, prohibition that came out of the ability to make hemp paper back in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, how did you get involved in this industry? Yeah, good question. So the first thing that got me involved in it is I have a personal passion for cannabis. It is a medicine for me. It is a wellness plant. It is part of my everyday existence. So that was the start of my passion. I actually got a job in the industry and that was my gateway (laughs) for lack of a better term my gateway into working in this industry I started working for PAX and Juul Labs which are vaporizers PAX is for the cannabis industry and Juul is for the nicotine industry and that was where I got the opportunity to for the first time marry my personal passion for this plant with my professional career and I've said this before it, it, it was like coming home to be able to talk every day about this, this organic matter that I'm very passionate about is a blessing. It makes it not seem like work to me. And so that's how I got into it is I accidentally was working for a vaporizer company and accidentally noticed how much waste is surrounded by these little vape pods that they sell. And I'm like, wait a second, this is a problem. So I was having a happy hour conversation with a friend of mine that turned into a serendipitous conversation about her thesis for her doctorate degree. And she did her thesis on the environmental and socioeconomic reasons why we need to stop using hemp for paper and switch or hemp for trees for paper and switch over to hemp. And I said, wait a second, you know that I'm a cannabis consumer. Why have you never told me before that this was what your thesis was about? I'm sorry, there's a giant bus going by me right now, so hang on. And that was when the light bulb went off because she could not make that connection between hemp and cannabis. She thought that that cannabis was this drug, and she thought hemp was this wonder plant. And I was like, wait a a second. (laughs) You know they're cousin plants, right? And you know they're related. (laughs) Well, it's actually the same plant. not a difference. Yes. It, it, it has the same genus. Yes. Yeah. So that sparked 
an idea in my head, and I was like, wait a second, how come the cannabis industry isn't using hemp for their own paper use? And I did about two weeks of hardcore research, and I tried to find any other company in the world that was making 100% hemp paper. I don't make a blend. The other hemp paper companies out there I, that are making hemp paper in the United States are only a 20 to 25% blend of hemp paper, and 75 to 80% of their paper is still trees. Well, that's not solving our problem. That's putting a Band-Aid on it. I want to solve the problem. So I couldn't find anybody doing 100% hemp paper. I couldn't find anybody utilizing CBD waste, which is a huge problem that our industry is having as well. And I couldn't find anybody that was focusing that paper on the cannabis industry on a B2B level specifically. And I was like, holy camoly, I can't believe I thought about this. I better do something about this now or somebody else is going to think about this. And I want to do it. So that's what sparked it. And within two weeks of getting the idea and doing research, I had my business license. Tiny e-paper was born. So how did you, uh, you know, obviously there's manufacturing. How did you uh, connect up with somebody who knew how to make paper? Yep. The problem is those companies that are already making tree paper, when they switch their raw material source over to hemp, which some of them are still skeptical about for whatever reason, they have to do a very stringent cleaning and sanitization of that entire machine because the tree paper people don't want any hemp in their hemp paper. And my hemp paper doesn't want any tree fiber in it. So they have to go through the laborious act, which costs money and it costs time to clean those machines between using my fiber and everybody else's fiber. A lot of the companies out there that are already making paper don't want to go through that process, and so they won't talk to me. Got it. So I find that's kind of the challenge that I'm having right now working in the United States is this is a nascent category. It's a nascent industry. We are building it real time as we are speaking right now. So there is parts of this industry right now that don't exist for what I need them to do in order to make my company possible. So I'm having to do things like I'm building a new machine right now (laughs) because it doesn't exist in the States right now. So what I'm doing is trying to not only solve the problem for myself, but when I do solve this problem for tiny e-paper, I'm actually solving this problem for everybody in the United States because in order to do anything with the stock of this plant, it is the strongest natural organic fiber on earth it's pretty tough stuff nobody can do anything with the stock without processing it you can't make paper out of it you can't make fabric out of it you can't make plastic out of it you have to process it well if i have no processors in the united states i can't buy the stock from the farmers because i can't do anything with it and then i can't sell that stuff to the pulpers and the paper mills to help me make my product out of so until we start really thinking about this plant holistically, there's going to be parts of this process that if, if we don't figure it out in the States, it's going to force my entire process to go to places like Europe. And I don't want to do that. Well, I know that, um, you know, you and I just are, this is literally the first time we're meeting. So you probably don't <laughs> know much about me and, and I'm just barely getting to know you. And I promise to get uh, easy and gentle um, I'm going to hit you with a question that I, I don't have any clue where your answer is, but I'm certainly curious as it's one of the reasons I do this show. Um, I'm involved with a number of nonprofit activities 
and um, a number of nonprofit organizations that are based on uh, human rights issues and civil rights issues. And one of the, the issues that we're currently or have been for the last 10 years working at is the, the monumental task of this
And the fact that we have legislators right now that all they have to do is make a decision and use their pen to paper and sign something to reverse some of this, and they're refusing to do this, is also an anomaly that we need to start really dealing with seriously in this industry. Well, are you so aware that <laughs> in the federal government right now, in the House of Representatives, there's a, a, a an act called the Moore Act that is um, yep. supposed to be voted on it any day right now, um, and we're putting supposed you know, to be. Say again. I said it's supposed to be. Right. Exactly. But. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it it could still get voted on. I mean, there's a thing there's a there's a thing that could happen, and I'm wondering if we were all to push a little harder and specifically point our finger at that. Um, you know, my problem is is that all of these state laws and local laws and, you know, California's law is horrible. It's a terrible, terrible law the way it was written. Yep. And it, it excludes most people from from the industry, and it allows a handful of people to be involved, and generally just through these social equity programs that are very narrow-focused and only include a real small type of of individual, whereas if we were to, uh, you know, bring this thing around to a place that said, well, the federal government no longer considers this a Schedule One substance, and that's the basis at which most states, um, you know, have their position about, you know, any sort of restrictions and, and, and treating it uh, in such a very restrictive way, you know, as though it's a dangerous substance. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. wondering if we want to get the, the federal government to – they've already laid out a plan that worked that I bet you we would open up the floodgates and, and kind of change the way we I would hope so. And I, I am also a member of Normal, who is a big backer of the Moore Act and getting that passed. So I will say I'm very involved in this as well, and I've, I've put myself out there as a, a big supporter of this. But I, I am hesitant to say that the Moore Act is going to solve all our problems because the Farm Bill, which passed hemp legality, did not solve all our problems in hemp. I couldn't even get my problem solved with the same banking act. I still cannot get a merchant account, merchant services account as a hemp company with my bank, what I already have my business account at, because they consider me a CBD company. So we need to understand that while we have these fantastic bills that are out there waiting to be voted on, they're going to only solve some of our problems because the people that are making this legislation, like when we've gone into problems with these the farm bill, and we only have two-week testing times that are mandated to, to test your crop for CBD, and now we've got a hot crop situation. We're going to run into issues like that if we are not more involved as an industry in this legislation. And so I, I'm very, very hopeful for passage of the Moore Act, and I'm very hopeful for what it can do, but I don't think that we can be naive enough to think that it's going to solve all of our problems. Neither is oh, legality no, going to solve all of our problems. I think I think what it does is it solves a single problem, which is the yeah. fact that the yeah. Controlled Substances Act is the core of all of the problems that we have, and it all is based on that. With the Controlled Substances Act uh, registering it as Schedule One, that's the reason why the banks 
won't uh, insure a CBD or a cannabis company because the federal government yep. is not behind it. So I believe that it's, it certainly would solve one of our biggest problems. I'm I'm a grassroots it guy. Will. I'm I all about problems. Don't get me wrong. I just don't want. Yeah, to, yeah. I I don't want to have unicorns and rainbows coming my out of my ass saying that it's going to solve all of our problems and be the answer that everybody's looking for. That's all I'm saying. It will solve a yeah. lot of, of of things that are going on. Oh, I absolutely agree. Well, listen, I think that we have a lot to talk about, and I would like to talk to you um, off the air maybe tomorrow about working with you as a business, but um, I think that uh, getting him involved in the mainstream is key. Um, bringing the, the, the cannabis plant into the mainstream world, you know, we have a stigma problem that's behind all of it, um, and, yep. and the, the fear that people have about this plant that's been uh, indoctrinated generationally what the core of all this is. So, Awesome. Well, thank you again for having me, and I thank your audience for being interested enough to listen. It's really awesome to you talk bet. with you, and I look forward to chatting more tomorrow. All right. Thank you so much. Uh huh. Bye. Bye bye. All right. So that was interesting. Um, Craig, can you hear me now? You can hear me, but I can't hear you. <laughs> I cannot hear you. I don't know. It says doesn't say you're muted. That's crazy. Nope, I don't hear anything you're saying. That is crazy. Um, maybe now you can mess with your volume, because if you can hear me, that means my volume's okay. Mess around and just talk, and once I hear you, um, we'll we'll be able to have a conversation. First it was me, then it was you. It doesn't say you're muted, so um, I'm not sure. Anyways, we will continue working on this. Maybe Bobby can help fix it. Um, there's probably an adjustment. I'm not the – I don't have all the controls anymore. But – Hang tough. We'll get through it. Just keep talking. And then well, as soon as I can hear you, <laughs> we'll be able to, to continue a conversation. So that was an interesting conversation. And it was positive in some ways and, and a little um, frustrating in some ways because I think that, you know, people are driven – for their purposes, and we have this thing in mind that says, you know, this is an answer. This is, I'm doing the thing that needs to be done. And, again, I just met her. We, She may, may very well be a strong ally. Um, I just heard some things that when we're caught up in these local legislative situations, um, and, and we're focusing on, you know, these these local issues, it can have a benefit. It, it can definitely have a benefit. But um, I think really what we got to remember is that this is a social issue. This is not so much even of a legal issue. This is a, a stigma issue. This is an issue that, that 
is entrenched in law enforcement and the justice system, and the laws are a part of it. They're they're certainly a part of it. But like she said, when the hemp bill passed, everybody thought we'd be all right and CBD would be just fine, and you could grow hemp and and do business. But you can't because not all the banks are are allowing CBD companies and hemp companies to do business with them. Well, I don't know if you've ever been a business, but it's kind of hard to do business if you can't deposit money in the bank because you need to buy things and you need to pay people and all the things that a business does generally requires a bank. Otherwise, you're operating as they would say an illegal business would and by not putting your money in the bank and and, and declaring it. So there's a lot of issues that are still happening um, and the laws Again, I think the federal law is behind a big chunk of the problem. Um, and, again, hopefully, uh, you know, the efforts that she's making will have a, a benefit, and hopefully we'll figure out a way uh, to work together a little bit. Um, I'm still trying to figure out. i got Craig Cecil here sitting here with me. I can see him. He can see me. He can hear me, but I can't hear him now. And something's happening here. I could hear him before. That's the whole thing is I know this thing worked previously. And I'm not sure what's going on. Now we're streaming on YouTube, which that's super cool. Um, I don't know. Bobby, I know you're doing stuff. I don't know if you can do anything to help get Craig to be able to be heard. I don't know why we're not able to hear him right now. But... You're doing stuff. I still hear you talking. That's. I mean, I can see you talking. I can't hear you talking, but it's good. It's, maybe we could do a mime show. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> We're going to do mime radio. Let's see how that works out. <laughs> well, we've got our, our behind-the-scenes um, tech support crew working on this diligently, and just uh, don't give up, and I won't either. And I'm pretty sure before the show is over. Oh, there's Bobby. I can't hear Bobby either. I can't hear you either. Is it me? I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> this is the best radio ever. I got my volume up. I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness well I think Craig and Bobby are talking so we've got some kind of radio going on I see I see the I see the I see the voice moving gosh I wish I knew what was happening here I see two people talking help Somebody help. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I'm not sure what to do. I'm hoping you guys can hear somewhere. Can you guys, Can you hear me? You can hear me. Could you hear Bobby? You can hear Bobby, but I can't hear you. Okay. That is weird. Okay. I have no idea. This is like a... You know what's really cool about all of this that we're doing is every time we do a show, something new goes wrong. 
And probably by the end of, I don't know, whatever, by the end of us doing this, we uh, will probably know how to fix all the problems. What's funny is, is, is Craig, what's really kind of cool is they just kicked us off of Facebook, our live stream. That means somehow we're offending people, which is kind of cool. That means we're doing something right. Well, we're at least getting their attention, yeah. So we're streaming on YouTube now. So I'm not sure. There's a, I, I understand the Facebook Nazis have been really critical of, um, of, of, of things, but we weren't even talking about anything. I don't know what the heck we would have even been saying that might have gotten us in trouble. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's the a farm bill. Of the farm bill? I don't know. Maybe yeah. crazy, crazy stuff. All right. Well, let's see. I'm not quite sure what to do. I've got Craig here, who can hear me, but I can't hear him. Craig and Bobby can have a conversation, but I can't hear what either one of them are saying. So I am gonna try something else. Can you go on your Facebook and answer people's questions? About the can you do that, huh? I could, but I can't pay attention to three things at once. Walk for change YouTube page. All right. So whoever is listening to this and was watching it on Facebook, it's now on the Walk for Change YouTube. Uh, YouTube channel, so or the YouTube page, so I guess it is on Facebook on the Walk for Change YouTube page, YouTube channel. I don't know. It's somewhere out there. I'm getting more confused as we're going along. Well, listen, guys, everything is 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 uh, strange and unusual. It's 2020. This should not be surprise surprising you in any way, shape, or form. There's all kinds of crazy crap happening right now, and I know that. COVID is certainly getting to a lot of people. Um, the, the stress and strain of, of having to be separated and being told what to do, you know, it's, it's interesting because the very people that are, like, going out there saying this, this, this government is telling us what to do, it's fascist, right? They're saying that, but at the very same time, they're telling you what to do. And they're saying, well, you can't go here, and you have to act this way, and you have to not do this and not do that. I'm like, well, what's the difference? It seems to me it's okay if you tell me what to do, but it's not okay if they tell me what to do. A lot of people right now are, are in a high state of stress. I know people that have had to shut their businesses down. There's people trying to find jobs that can't find jobs. There's people that are... Um, Afraid to even go out. I mean, there's literally people that believe, and I, again, we might disagree, but there's people that believe that this COVID is so horrible that they're just afraid to be out amongst people because they might catch it and die. And the other thing that happens is people's opinions. You know, I saw a graphic um, the other day, and it said, we the people, and it was, it was, uh, it said, we the people, but it was cut in half. And there was a gap between, there was a gap out of the middle. And the top half of it was red, and the bottom half of it was blue. And there was a big gap in the middle. And I thought that that was pretty exemplary of what's going on right now. We've got such a politically divided world that the people that think this think the other people are idiots. 
and the people that think that think the other people are idiots. And then you got this whole thing with the COVID. And I, I literally I watch people that I know, I love, people that I respect to some degree, and I watch them making public statements about what an idiot you are if you think this or if you think that. And that these these judgmental um, claims and statements, and it's okay to think it. It's okay to say it, I guess. But really the point of all of this is that what is the whole point of freedom? What is the whole point of liberty? What is the whole point of all of this if I don't get to think what I want to think? And what about my freedom to... Do what I want to do if it's not going to hurt you. What about your freedom to not be around me if you don't like what I'm doing? What about my freedom to not be around you if I don't like what you're doing? Where did that go? How is it that that, that somebody who thinks something in a particular way has the power to exude that onto everybody that they know and somehow it have legitimacy? And how is it that we don't stand up for what we believe in? Whatever it is, a handful of people are, and they're being outcast as extremists. You know, if you go back and you look throughout history, we're pussies right now. If you go back and look at the history of Congress and the history of of the the legislature and the, 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 the even the presidency, the things that have happened in the past compared to the things that are not happening right now are ridiculous. There, there's been fistfights in the halls of Congress. There's been a guy that almost got beaten to death one time in the halls of Congress as a result of his position and the conflict with his legislators. We had a war in the United States about a difference of opinion, and more than 100,000 people died. Okay? Those people were very willing to stand up for what they believed in. And I'm not saying it was good that we had a civil war. Hell, it was probably the worst thing that ever happened to the country. But in some ways, it helped this country grow up and maybe become what it was here to become. And maybe it was because people were willing to put their lives and their freedoms on the line and to risk not having things that made these changes happen. Do you think they would have ever happened? Do you think slavery would have ever ended had there not been a civil war? I'd venture a guess that it wouldn't. I'd venture a guess that the South would have seceded, and who knows what would have happened. Would they have been able to maintain an economy? Who knows? We don't know. But the bottom line is, I don't think it would have happened just by talking about it. I don't think, I think there was so much entrenched belief and willingness to act that forced this, forced this hand. And I'm not saying we should have a civil war. I'm I'm an absolutely anti-violence individual. I believe that we should get out there and vote. I believe that we should get out there and run for office. I believe that we should get out there and lobby our Congress. I believe that we should have a relationship with everybody that's supposed to be representing us, I don't believe that most of us do. 
I don't believe that a lot of us even know who our representatives are. All of these things are things that could happen, and I don't believe that are happening. And I think that, you know what, Craig? You know what you can do? You can call. Call the number that you see right here behind me, and then I can, I can, we can have a conversation. If, you, if you're talking to me through the phone, I can hear you on the phone. That I, I solved it. There we go. We we just got we we we're, we're going to have a, a a bit of a Mickey Mouse answer, but we will have an answer nonetheless. Yeah, six four six six four six nine two nine two four nine five six four six nine two nine two four nine five, and that applies not only to Craig but to anybody and everybody. So Becca's going to go catch your call, and then we'll still be able to see you, and you'll have to probably turn your microphone down on your computer so it doesn't loop. But there we go. I see you calling in. Awesome. We'll, we'll make this happen. <laughs> so anyways, um, good stuff. Craig will be on the line very shortly, and we'll be able to talk about all this stuff that we're not able to hear. Um, but, again, a lot of crazy things have happened throughout the years. You know, I have all these people that are, hey, Becca, can you grab, oh, no, there we go. All right, hold on. Thanks, I got it. I got it. Whoa. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Now I'm not sure what you're uh oh. <laughs> hold on, hold on, Craig. I think we might have fixed it. Hold on. Now keep talking. No, 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 that didn't do it. Okay. So now we're going to do it this Well, here I am. Do you hear me from more than the phone? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you, and it's uh, th- this may or may not work for everybody, but it's certainly going to work for the people listening. So hopefully it, it's going to translate to the to the feed, but it's going to start looping if I let it get too loud. But we're 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 doing the best we can. I know that the audio will still work. It's well, it's well, but my only concern is uh, I understand uh, last Friday they announced that they're going to put off a vote on the Moore Act until after the election. (laughs) The committee was determined that they didn't want to have to force the representatives to make a stand before the election which is exactly what we want our representatives to do. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's the funniest thing as we've become, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, our, our, when we over-politicize everything, it, it takes our, it takes our huevos right out from under us. Like there's nothing, then what? Right? I mean, then what? What is it? What's the point of any of this? Everything is all about political posturing and where's the representing? 
You know, I mean, it, it, it seems like everything a politician does is about gaining and securing power rather than actually doing their job anymore. Well, sadly, they, they don't want them to make a stand before the election. But that's exactly what we want them to do. We, we want to know who we're voting for in terms of how they will vote. And sadly, after the election, I'm afraid that uh, Big Pharma and a bunch of other companies will have an influence because their representatives are not facing election for another two years. So I exactly. think that on so many fronts, I, I think it, it's, it's a big mistake. And, I'm, and I haven't heard much screaming. I mean, a few people uh, have said, well, too bad, we'll wait. You know, wait till the lame duck session. But I don't like that at all because it, it changes the, the dimensions of so many different things. Like, where is their loyalty after the election versus now, shortly before the election? Well, and, I, you know, I keep saying this is, you know, when, it, when we come up to election time, I, I keep wondering, like, why, where are the comparisons where we take, where an independent third-party nonpartisan group takes and record and, 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 and puts together a montage of every official that says, here's what they said before the last election, here's what they did, lay out their full voting record, and here's what they're saying today. And, you know, if they were to do something like that, i got to believe that we might vote a little different than we do. You know, right now it seems like the, the, the candidate that has the most money gets their name in front of the most people and is the most likely to win rather than true, the truth influencing people's desire to vote, first of all. And, you know, you got to wonder, like, there's a, a bigger push, I think, this year for a third-party uh, voice than I've seen and heard in a, in a while, and uh, not just the libertarian side of things, but just a call for a third-party relevance. And I just got to wonder what, you know, when is that going to happen? When is that going to kick in? And I ha have to think that if we were to showcase publicly as part of the as part of the process the 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 claims a candidate made prior to their election their voting record and the claims they're making today i'm wondering how how that might influence you know people's willingness to come out and vote and the way that they voted unfortunately people are 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 stuck up really in what's the gossip of the day uh, the people really aren't as concerned about facts as they are about the speaking points uh, of the day. We're seeing that with so many different politicians. Um, as I pointed out, as you, you Representative Lee from California voted against putting marijuana in the uh, Democratic platform, but then a week later she's uh, on the floor of the Congress saying that they ought to move forward with the Moore Act. I mean, it, now, where's the hypocrisy in that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's insane. And I, I, I think that that's, you know, one example of probably so many 
and and it, it goes on the state side of it too. You know, the, the it's it's pretty much um, across the board. Well, I'm going to Kansas this weekend, and and one of the reasons I'm going is we've set up a 501c4, and we're going to be talking to um, hopefully some uh, elected officials on on the state side of things. And um, we're, we're looking to introduce a bill into Kansas because they're one of the states that still hasn't um, gotten their act together, so to speak. And um, it's still, you know, they're still uh, prosecuting and charging people. Um, I mean, we've got, we've got two cases right now that we're supporting that are less than a gram of cannabis, and, and they're taking up the court's time and the, the, the defendant's resources, and um, not to mention just the the horror of having to go through a case. You know, generally these are regular people um, that get caught up and all of a sudden become, you know, in, in the, the criminal justice system. So it's definitely, um, you know, it, it's something that we're getting involved with on the, on the political side of things with the new 501c4. And hey, Craig, I've got George Martirano on the line, um, and so I figure any chance I get to bring you guys both together in the same room, I have the I have that ability. So I'm going to go ahead and bring George up and keep you cool, my way. Hey, George, how's it going? I got Craig here with me. Oh, hi, everybody. How you Hello, doing? George. <laughs> yeah, I'm out here doing uh, it's a historical day, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I came out when my beer was launched today. I have a beer. Uh, I have the mugshot beer. It's my prison mugshot on the can. And we have the grow father on the can. And we have the making of a wise guy. So it's a big day today. It's bigger than. And I believe, I believe, I don't know if 100%, I haven't researched it yet, but I'm the first person ever in the history of the world to come out of prison and brand his own beer. <laughs> well, there you go. So I had one. I took my. Yeah, I took my. Uh, Joe, I'm going to send you. I uh, Joe, I sent you the beer, didn't I? Send you the. Yeah, you, you put it up on yeah. Human Solution. Yeah. Yeah, put it up on Human Solution website. I have my prison, ladies and gentlemen. I took my prison mugshot, and put it on a can. And but the essence of it all, I'm creating jobs. I'm creating jobs for people through these hard times. That's what that's what I'm about. Yeah. I think that so huge, I think that it's uh it's important for people to I think that the more people can understand the story, you know, of where it all came from and what that means and who you are and, and, and the fact that you know, we're 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 moving forward in this way, turning something horrible into something positive. Um, you know, I think it's huge. Yeah, well, like I said, I had a big day. We had big events all around Philadelphia. We're at the brewery, had a big launching, you know, where we did our distancing, we had our masks. But again, it's historical because you know, we, we incarcerate more than anybody, especially for cannabis, anybody in the world. So and, uh, when I want to lay a message, you know, it's totally wrong to throw you in a cage for cannabis. But when you finally get out, 
those who get out, please don't come out with a chip on your shoulder or be hateful. You know, you want to do positive things, positive things. And that's what I'm doing. Absolutely. Well, uh, congratulations, George. It's always good to hear some good news. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. It's, you know, you, you've been out, what, two years now? Uh, no, a little more. Uh, October will be five years, Joe. Five years? Holy cow. I've lost five three years. years of my life. I don't know what I did with it. Well, thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the Human Solutions played a big part for me coming home. So this this show is very important. You know, I was supposed to literally die in the cell. I was supposed to come home with a body bag. So that's why this show is important. Please support it. Please support it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, and congratulations, George. And uh, this is the first of, I'm sure, many, uh, many positive announcements you're going to be making. Well, I'll be out there in November. My team, my support team here has already booked me for November, Joe. So I'll see you in November. All right. Tell tell the family, tell D.D. Kurtwood, Liz, and everybody, Kathy, I'll be out there in November. I certainly will. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. George Monterano. Bye, Thank George. You. All right. Well, George has uh, always got a lot going on. He's uh, I, I I never seen a guy getting out and 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 hustle as much as George. He from the second he got out, he's been uh, he's been setting things up, and making things happen, and he didn't never stops. He's out there just wheeling and dealing and making it happen. So he got his face. Did on I hear a, him on, right that? Did I hear him right? His his picture is on a beer can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He literally, he got a brewery to create a beer uh, with his face on the on the on the beer. So he's he's got his own brand of beer now. <laughs> wow, he's up there with Billy Beer. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely, it's called Mugshot, and it's got his his mugshot on the on the can. <laughs> Crazy, crazy. I love it. Well, you know, um, as always, we're running low on time. I, I still, for the life of me, don't know what happened to the mechanics of this show, but we we found a way around it. Um, I've got a, a couple of people that are that we're going to bring up. I got Dana, and he's got something he wants to say. And Dana is the chapter coordinator from our Hope for Change in the End of Prohibition chapter out of Missouri. And he's been supporting defendants in Missouri for a while now. And um, Dana, what's been going on out there? What's the what's the latest? Oh, not a lot going on here right now. I I, I liked our, the phone call today because I think that you're right on cue as far as getting out there and uh, us finding lawyers and legal representatives to take and work with the hope for change, well, with uh, Human Solutions and. Uh, uh, I think that would give us a lot of clout and a lot of uh, more power than we have now to be able to go out and challenge some of these cases, especially the crazy ones out there. Well, you know what? Let's talk about that for a second. I really haven't even I, – I haven't brought that up publicly. But So behind the scenes, everybody, we've been working on um, what we're calling a self-help legal clinic. And as a 501c3, um, we have the ability to to create such a thing. And the way we built it so far 
is it's through the website, and we have a, I think it's like 400 motions that have been successfully filed in various courts, and they're compiled in such a way that uh, we have these actual copies of motions that have been written and argued successfully. So what we're doing is we're setting up on the website where we're setting a directory up so somebody can go in and say, hey, I have this kind of a problem and I'm looking to represent myself or I'm looking to help out my public defender or I'm looking to help out my attorney or whatever it is. And then we'll go through our library and say, well, here's several motions that we can offer to you that you might be able to uh, modify and submit as your own. You know, Craig, you used to do this kind of thing for people on appeals and and uh, on various different uh, court actions where people would come to you when you were locked up and um, you would research and come up with a way to file um, court papers for people. In essence, you acted as a, as a prison lawyer for a lot of people. Um, and this is an opportunity to do that. But the other thing is, and this is something that we've never really done, and this is a, a shift in our in the way we've always done it. So the human solution has always been very grassroots. We've always been um, very not money oriented because you know there's always corruption that gets connected with money. Anytime you start handling a bunch of money, somebody does something stupid and and things go wrong. <clears throat> but we've got a really strong uh, internal leadership with maintaining transparent books and nobody gets a salary so we're not really worried about that and there isn't any way for anybody to spend money inappropriately so we're really pretty solid with being able to do that so what we figured is that as we have this uh, reentry program that we're working on and that we we've been working on this self-help legal clinic for the longest time we said well what if we were to go after um, getting a grant towards creating a legal uh, uh, a legal clinic, and you think about it. Well, what's the ACLU? At the end of the day, they're a legal clinic, right? They got lawyers. They are they they support certain cases. They advocate. They do all these different things. They're a nonprofit, and they came out of a grassroots effort. And and have they? You know, they maybe have outgrown themselves in a way that, in a lot of ways, they're not effective because they can only handle whatever they can handle, and they don't, they cherry-pick cases. But meanwhile, did they start out there? I don't think so. I think they started out in a, in a pretty, in a, in a pretty solid grassroots, here to make a, a, a real change for human and civil, civil rights issues. And so... We're thinking about going out and raising some money so that we can get a grant writer to come aboard and go after some grant funds specifically towards putting together this reentry project and towards putting together this self-help legal clinic. And I believe that once we got established how this program works and was able to bring a little bit of funds to it, I think at that point we could start attracting some attorneys to engage it because attorneys will work for a couple of reasons. Uh, a lot of attorneys will will do a certain amount of pro bono work as part of their uh, whatever their 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 ethical commitment. And obviously, 
attorneys will work to get notoriety. They'll work to gain more business. Well, one of the ways to do that, especially young attorneys just starting to make a name for themselves, is get yourself attached to a case that catches some some public uh, view. And, uh, you know, well, where did that come from? Well, it comes from, from poor bastards that are fighting ridiculous cases that can't afford to fight it themselves, that normally get stomped and kicked to the curb, and somebody gets up there and says, hey, hold on a minute, that's, that's, that's not okay. You don't get to keep doing that. And we've had all kinds of, of, of historical cases that have come through and, and real changes have happened as the result of somebody standing their ground and some attorney or some group getting behind them and being able to stand up and fight. In the civil rights um, side of things alone, there's been dozens and dozens of cases that were against all odds. They were, you know, typically, um, you know, the defendant wouldn't have had a chance. And there's been movies made of some of these things, even recently. Um, but, but meanwhile, you go back through history, and there's a ton of examples where somebody stood up and fought, an attorney stood up behind them, um, got enough traction, community gathered around them, and all of a sudden changes got made. So we're looking at shifting our focus a little bit from only doing grassroots and only doing education and court support to digging in a little bit deeper and starting to create a legacy, create a program that can benefit people for free. You know, you'll be able to qualify for this without having to, or maybe you'll have to have some kind of a small subscription to be involved, but it's certainly not going to be anything like hiring an attorney to do job for you. And so that's, that's, that's what we're talking about here. That's some of the changes that are happening behind the scenes right now with the Human Solution. So, Dana, do you have any cases that uh, you need to give us an update on right now? Um, not a lot right at the moment. Zach's got uh, Zachariah Salazar's got one coming up. I don't know the exact date for that. Uh, but, yeah, you're exactly right as far as uh, getting uh, lawyers and, and people in because Human Solutions is a uh, human rights organization and civil rights organization. I think we should start standing on that. Because even the president told the governors, and that's probably why the Morax tabled right now, that he doesn't want any cannabis legislation to go through before the election. And uh, so, you know, that kind of does that when he tells the governors, get it off your elections, because it might hurt his chance of winning. I don't think it would really hurt a lot, but I think he'd win if he'd just taken in prohibition, to tell you the truth. But Well, I think I mean, that this should be the most bipartisan issue there ever was. You know, I, I, I know tons of Democrats and I know tons of Republicans that all support this and for various reasons and, and, and many of them are the same and some of them are economic reasons, some of them are personal freedom reasons. It doesn't matter what the reason is. This is this needs to be voted on, it needs to be brought to the table and I think these guys need to be held to task for not dealing with it, but that's just my just my opinion. Well, Dana, how does somebody get a hold of you if they're in Missouri and they want to get involved to help us end prohibition? Uh, well, they can get a hold of Hope for Change and the End of Prohibition Institutions International Chapter Court Support. We're in southwest Missouri, I mean, almost on the very close to the border of Arkansas. Uh, my number is 417-847-7974, and we can't help you if you don't tell us you got a problem. 
Indeed. Thank you so much. And, and, and Dana's absolutely right. You know, we got all these people that live on social media, and uh, most of us are working behind the scenes, working real hard, and we don't know what's going on just because you told, just because you posted it on your Facebook page. We know about it if you reach out and you ask us. You get a opportunity to come on this show and a number of other shows. Um, we've got a way to engage you. We've got chapters, people that have been through this, people that have experienced it, people that know what you're going through, willing to help you, willing to listen, and willing to hopefully encourage you to stand up and fight. So that's absolutely it. So, folks, we are running out. We are out of time. I got my time machine cranked up. Um, we got Tom Corby on the line, so Tom always gets the last word before Craig gets the last word, before Willie Nelson gets the last word, before I get the last word. So let's see how that actually works out. Um, <laughs> um, so that all being said, we got Tom Corby on the line, and we're going to keep you on the line, Craig, because it's just working out okay right now. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? You are in my time machine. How's it going? Uh, that's a loaded question in my age, Joe. I want to thank you back at Coffee Party Radio Show. It's a great show. So I just got a new phone, and I always go. Yeah. Are you hearing me all right? Oh, yeah. Loud and clear. You're doing good. Oh, okay, because I'm downtown shopping with Nick Moran. and uh, I hear you clearer than I usually do, so this is good. Keep talking. You're doing all right. <laughs> all right. And then when we talk about cases, you know, Nick Moran's case, Joe knows very well, uh, set a huge presence up here in Northern California. Uh, when we had court support, always it's so important. And when you have an attorney like, like you say, most attorneys, you have to follow behind them and make sure they file. Joseph Tully uh, is the exception of this rule that we found. Uh, the, 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 the trials I've been to with Joseph Tully has not lost uh, poetry and motion. In Nick Moran's case, uh, he was up against Goliath, uh, and and his charges, and not only that, the the prosecutor was the one that the, the officer that arrested Nick was prosecuting him as a DA, helping helping a public defender. This lady didn't know anything. One of the points I want to make sure right here is doc, doctor's rule. And having a doctor's recommendation still uh, gets the bacon. So sitting in court support, and uh, Joseph Tully's talking, and the prosecutor's making a, a, a talking about how these recommendations, or you can get them online, and they're just fake. It's, so Tully looks. I thought Tully was looking at me, but it, so he said so. Uh, you notice that all these recommendations are under Dr. David Allen. Did you know that he's sitting right up there with Donna Corby and Sue Colum, Dr. Allen? When you when that happened, you ought to have seen, and even Nick, you ought to have seen the jury turn their heads and say, oh, my God, yes, he is lying. 
And also, when we go to trial, we always try to try to pick the, the foreman. Uh, well, we were all wrong. It turned out the, the foreman was a little uh, black black gal that's been, been to Happy Hill Farms and knows us. She was the foreman. So, <laughs> and... She did let on that she knew, and then Alex Lyons was there and talked to, talked to her after, and she said, I knew all along you guys were there, but I didn't want to let on. So in, 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 that, in that verdict, it was, a, it was 12-12 full acquittal that, that sets a historical precedent up here in Butte County. So we always try to point out one of the most important things is get that discovery, start working your police report, uh, help get some. Uh, you don't really need an attorney right away. You can use your PDs. You have somebody like Joe or somebody that can do a little advocating, get you on the right track, and make sure that you're a public offender. And uh, you can file actually yourself, make sure that, that all your filing is done in a timely manner. Always the 995 uh, dismissed probable cause motion uh, and uh, probable doubt and, and uh, reasonable doubt is uh, those place huge when you go into trial. And when you take them on to trial, like so said for years, if more people would take them on to trial, we wouldn't be here today. So, again, I want to thank everybody today in the Coffee Party Radio Show. And... Uh, we're standing their ground, coming together, helping to be the solution, volunteering. We're volunteers, folks, and we're not getting paid. And we don't mind as long as we end prohibition and stop this madness. No one should be going to jail for our sacred plant. Okay, I want to thank you all today. And it's Donald Corby, and she's doing better now. Thank you for all this support, Frank and Ann. Uh, Nick Moran, Tito, and all, all the people that are supporting us and sending positive vibes. Thank you. And don't forget to just breathe. Thank you all today. All right. Thank you so much, Tom. And always a pleasure. All right, Craig, you get the second to last last word. What do you say? Well, you can imagine uh, I'm pushing on the MORE Act. They want to hide how they're going to vote on this thing until after all of us have voted as to who remains in office and who does not. So get on your emails, figure out who your representative is, and send a message straight out. How are you going to vote on the Act? And based on that, you decide who you're going to vote for when you go in the voting booth. Absolutely. I think that's some good, uh, good advice. And uh, always a pleasure. I appreciate you being here. Maybe next time we'll get this thing squeaky clean. Everything will work. <laughs> All right, everybody. A pleasure to, to be back with you, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Let's see what old Willie Nelson has to say about it all. Seamless, folks. There it is. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind.